Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Berkwell. And I'm Alex Gong. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite topic. I think I say that a lot, actually. So every like, your favorite topic is what I'm about to talk about every time on this podcast. Well, we, we do have a tendency of talking about uh, topics that people don't enjoy talking about, like death, taxes. Well, that's the only thing we can count on in life. Sure. So uh, speaking, well, crap, that was a horrible segue. Life insurance is on today's <laughs> episode. Um, you know, we're this, talk- So we're talking about death then. Exactly. Um, this isn't my favorite topic. Uh, no one really likes talking about this, but it's also a topic that, you know, th- there's a bunch of, I would say, myths out there and a bunch of, um, a bunch of, I guess, activities that uh, as advisors, I was coached to doing early on in my career. And looking back on that, I think that's why I get so passionate about this topic is just understanding what I was doing then versus what I'm doing now. Yeah. It would, I mean, anybody who's experienced the loss of a loved one, like this can become a passionate topic very, very easily and very quickly, just because it, it's something where, but there's, there's never enough. And it, you know, it's something where having like with what we do, we go through this fairly regularly because we're heavily involved in our clients' lives. Yep. So today's episode, I want to talk about, you know, the typical two questions we get, how much insurance should I get and what type of insurance should I get? But before we go there, Alex, why don't we talk about the beer of the day? Yeah. So our beer of the day is the New Belgian Triple. It's a Belgian style ale. New Belgian is famous for Blue Moon uh, and they're out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, This beer is eight and a half percent. So it's got a bit of a kick to it. Uh, It's a triple. So not heavy on the IBUs. Clocks in at just 25. Yeah, it's uh, spicy spiciness to it, aroma to it. The carbonation tends to be, to me, it tastes more carbonated, um, like a champagne type of carbonation, maybe not as strong as champagne, but it's got more carbonation than others that I've had before. Uh, other triples or, or other beers or? Other beers. Got it. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's your, this is, this is a classic triple. Um, I really enjoy Belgian triples. So this is the great beer for, for me. Um, it's got that, you know, the classic coriander taste to it. Uh, it's just a, a nice beer. Yeah. It's all beer. I'm always a big fan of Belgian for the most part, uh, Belgian beers. So, um, definitely, uh, take a look and slash purchase, uh, if you like that type of beer, plus it's from Colorado, the motherland. So make sure you test it out. Uh, it's from Fort Collins. It can't be that bad. Fair enough. So, so let's get to the topic at hand here. So let's, let's talk about life insurance or Alex. So uh, as we started this episode, most people are, are asking the question of, okay, how much life insurance do I really need? Uh, and what type should I be getting? Right. Well, so let's, the way in which we typically address that is let's talk about the amount first, because that's the more important decision then we can talk about what type we should own. 
Yeah. So the amount, right? So th this is this is maybe the big, well, a big differentiator in terms of how I spoke into this topic 10 years ago versus how I speak into it now, right? And the big change in, in, in the what I was taught then versus what I know now is, you know, life insurance was a product sale. While I believed in the product, there was this, this, you know, cost concern that I have, you know, for the clients as well as the clients had that concern. And so it was based around like, okay, what's the bare minimum that the person needs um, to get by. And then What's diving this? into that calculation, it was even harsher because the calculation was, okay, how much do you have in assets? What do you owe in debts? And then I'd ask questions like, do you want to pay for your kid's education? How many years of income or how much money do you want to leave your spouse to get by? Like I actually fidget even saying those words now because I just can't believe that came out of my mouth. I mean, if someone asked me today, how much do you want to leave your spouse to get by? I don't want my spouse to get by. I want my spouse to have the life that she would have had, whether I was here or not. Right. When so many people lose sight of, okay, well, what's the point and purpose of insurance? It's to protect against the things that we can't otherwise protect against. And so what are we trying to do with life insurance? We're trying to estimate the value of somebody's life. Really, what we're trying to do is protect lifestyle of the folks that are live that are left behind. And like inevitably, we get into this goofy conversation around like, okay, I don't want to be worth more dead than alive. Right? I I got I, I I've totally lost track of the number of times that I've heard that statement because I hear it so often. Well, it, I'm sure those words came out of my mouth a decade or so ago, right? Because you just, A, I don't think anyone actually believes it. I think we've all heard it from someone. And then B, it's really stemming from, I don't want to pay too much. It's all stemming around cost. Well, it, and not only that, it's the- Because if it were free- no one would turn it down. What's amazing is I actually have talked to one person who said something different, which blew. There's me always away. outliers, right? There's always outliers to, to but, everything that's out there. But the thing is, is that they like they they just didn't want to go down that route, and like they were like, "Nope, I wouldn't take it." Like, okay, got it. You're just being argumentative at this point. But it's it's one of those things where. Like it's, it's a joke that folks say because the topic is uncomfortable. Yeah. They don't actually we, mean it. Yeah. And we get that. I mean, it's still, I would say you and I are, are comfortable talking about it, but it's still not fun. So there's still an no, uncomfortable sure. feeling even now as we're talking about this. For sure. Um, and I guess, you know, I think the best way to do this is let's, let's just paint a picture for everybody. And let's just walk through what a benefit amount would feel like to someone, right? So sure. imagine you've got a, a husband and wife who have two children, right? The, the all-American dream, right? Boy and a girl, white picket fence, the whole deal. And let's just say that that couple, let's just say the couple is early in their career and they're making, and I'm going to keep this ultra simple for the numbers, $50,000 each. So a total of $100,000 of income coming in the door for that couple. Okay, 
let's just say they're 30 years old. Okay. One of the couples, one of the people passes away prematurely, right? And we'll go ultra stereotype here, right? It's, it's in this example, maybe it's the male, right? Or, or the female, it doesn't matter. They're both bringing in the same income. When that occurs, emotionally, like I can't imagine either losing my wife or, or something, God forbid, happening to me, like the medical, like forget the medical costs that might be there because we don't know what actually happened. The emotional piece there of, am I going, 100%. To, go to, am I going to go to work? How am I, I going to I, do this? Like, where am I, where's my mindset at that point? Right. And I can tell you this, if heaven forbid something happens to Heather, it's going to be a while before you see me back working. I think a lot of people are like that. Now, so that aside, because we wanted to bring that up because that's a huge piece that's often not spoken about. But now we're going to push that to the side. Let's just talk finances for, for, for a piece now here. As a 30-year-old, most 30-year-olds aren't worth millions of dollars at that stage of life, right? Sure. So they're bringing in $100,000 of income if something happens, the person that prematurely passed away, financially speaking, now that means is $50,000 is no longer coming into the household for the next 30 plus years. Sure. Right. And that's not even counting inflation, right? There would be more than $50,000 coming in the door. Sure. So if this person had, and I'm going to make up a number, $500,000 of life insurance, Right. Let's okay. just say they had a mortgage and it would pay off the mortgage, leave some money for the kids and for the spouse. Would $500,000 allow his family to live the life that they were used to? 100% no. Like, just stop and think about that. To our listeners here, just stop and think about that for a second. $500,000 to that couple, I'm sure. And it, it is. It's a lot of money. But when you take into consideration what that person was really bringing to the table, financially speaking, over the lifetime, that's chump change. But what I've found the easiest way to have this conversation is to think about it from the standpoint of like, okay, well, when we, re- when we have a lump sum of money, how much income can we create from it? And, and so let's think about it from a, a standpoint of retirement. If we're retiring today, the number is somewhere between three and 4% distribution that we can take safely, increasing it for inflation down the road and not having a fear of running out of money if we're in our 60s. Now, if we're in our 30s and that occurs, that adds an entirely new set of variables and and differences. Well, let's just take it from the standpoint of retirement. Okay. What that means is that a million dollars will generate $40,000 a year of income. And so now that person who is making $50,000 a year a million a half a million dollars like okay great we we can create twenty thousand dollars a year of of cash flow and we can increase it for inflation for a period of time 
it's it's a much different conversation when you look at really what it is you're protecting, right? You're you're protecting the income that would have come in the door had that person not passed away prematurely. It's that simple, right? And so that's what you that's what you should be considering when you're looking at how much insurance you should get, right? And you know, Alex already brought up this whole concept of being worth more dead than alive. Stop and think about that for a second. Would insurance companies really insure you for more than you're financially worth? The answer is they won't. Like they won't allow you to insure your car for twice what it's worth because of fear of fraud. It's the exact same thing with somebody's life. They don't want to create a, a reason for someone to be worth more dead than alive. They are terrified of these concepts. And so it's something where like innately, I think we all understand like, okay, that person who we were just talking about, they can't go get a hundred million dollars worth of life insurance. Like that, that's just a huge number. Like a, they couldn't afford it, but B, even if they could, the insurance company wouldn't give it to them. And so it's interesting to stop and think about it from a standpoint of, okay, well, how much would the insurance company allow them to go get in terms of coverage? And the answer to that question is it's formulaic. If you're in your 30s, it's 30 times your income. So in this example, the $50,000, 30 times 50, it's $1.5 million, is the maximum amount of total life insurance that's available to that person. And that sounds probably like a huge number. For sure. When, and it's not. When Once you start taking a look at like, okay, what all is going to happen to that family over the next three months, six months, year, five years, you know, it's just one of those things where, like the, as I started off saying, there's never enough money. Yep. So that's what you should be considering when we're talking about how much insurance you should get. So now let's transition to the type. And we're going to keep this ultra simple because there is quite a few different policies out there. We're going to make this very simple for today's conversation. So the first type of policy that most people have heard of um, is called term insurance, right? And it's called term insurance because it lasts a specific term, right? A 10-year term, a 20-year term, a 30-year term. And at the end of that term, the policy expires, or you may have a policy that annually renew, renews, but when it renews, it's no longer considering the health underwriting that you got when you first got the policy. So the premium oftentimes is quite Goes high. Up by yeah, it goes up by a factor of somewhere between five and 20. Um, you know, it, it, it goes up and it goes up rapidly. A lot of it depends upon like how long the, the, the term was and, and things of that nature. But essentially, the insurance company is assuming that if you don't go back and requalify, there's a reason why you didn't go back and requalify. Yep. So if you wind up in that situation where you have a term policy that has expired and you are still healthy, go requalify because it'll wind up being less expensive. Yeah, so from a cash flow perspective or cost perspective, however you want to look at this, and, and there is a difference between cost and cash flow, but term insurance, because it expires and it only covers you for a specific amount of years, 
it's a lower cost or cash flow need to purchase that type of policy, which makes sense. Like, stop and think about that. I only have to cover you. If you're an insurance company, you only have to cover someone for 10 years and you approve them for the policy, that's going to be a pretty inexpensive policy. Yeah. And that, that is that exercise that you just mentioned flipped on its head is a really, really interesting thing to explore. Like, okay. Think about it from a standpoint of you being the insurance company. Would you accept 50 bucks a month, a hundred bucks a month to put yourself on the hook to pay out 500,000, a million, some amount of dollars over a period of time on your own life or on your spouse's life. So it makes sense, right? Like when we explain this, like no one ever obviously goes, ah, that makes complete sense, right? And so this is the, the, the cheapest policy out there that you can get for the most part. And this is also, those policies are also the least likely to pay out because of that. Like it, it's not that it's not that companies are denying claims or anything of that nature. It's that policies are expired or they're canceled or people stop paying their premiums and the policy lapses. That is what typically happens. And that's totally fine. From a financial planning standpoint, we don't want to use our term insurance because that means that we died too early. Yep. Like, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I, like, I've got a boatload of term and I hope it is totally. No, worse. I never, I never want to use it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so like term insurance, it's not a bad thing, right? It, it's a great coverage gap for a specific amount of time. Yeah. Right which takes us transitioning us here to the, the permanent life insurance. That's the other style of policy. And this, this one definitely has quite a few <laughs> variables. I'll just call it that, yeah. right? So any life insurance policy out there, it's life insurance first. It's the protection of your income. Some of these policies, specifically permanent life insurance policies, also can build an asset that's called cash value. Yeah, there's a host of different ways in which these, these policies can be used. Um, right now in the state of Washington, it's important uh, to, to be able to potentially use it for long-term care. Uh, but it, uh, the other more common structure is building up cash value. And what winds up happening with this cash value is entirely dependent upon what type of permanent insurance you have, but it's a benefit that can be used during your lifetime, whether that is during your accumulation, it, it can be a, a great place to go ahead and pull dollars from in the event that you wind up in an unforeseen expect uh, unforeseen uh, situation, whether it's a good one, like, Hey, if you want to invest in this company, we need to come up with a hundred thousand dollars tomorrow. Like, I don't know. I don't know about you, Ryan, but most folks have a hard time coming up with a hundred grand tomorrow. No, most people's money is sitting in their 401k at work. And, and so it's not accessible and without massive penalties and fees and taxes, or it could be something where it's like, Hey, we just lost our job. And so how do we pay the mortgage? 
So there, there could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. The point is we want to have some amount of liquidity and cash value can accomplish that. This this style policy, allow, obviously the permanent life insurance, it, like it name says, it lasts your entire lifetime, right? The whole life insurance or per, that type of permanent is level premium type of policy. It provides a death benefit and provides that cash value that Alex is, is standing. A lot of people go into an analysis mode when they're talking about this cash value growth and they try to compare it to like the stock market you're comparing apples and oranges in that scenario. Uh, and this, this episode isn't to, to get into, you know, where's the best place to put your money for asset growth, but we're just trying to explain how the policy is structured versus one another, a term insurance versus a permanent life insurance type structure. Yeah, and whenever you're comparing two places to put dollars, make sure that you're evaluating it from a standpoint of like, okay, what's the risk? So make sure you're comparing it to something that's similar to. Like th this conversation all comes down to cash flow, right? And so make sure you talk to a professional that understands how cash flow works, right? Where's the best place to be putting your money, how to include the protection piece, right? Because true financial planners out there, they should be incorporating insurance costs, the investment costs, like how does this come into a holistic plan? Not just analyzing it straight from a, well, this policy costs 20 and this policy costs 80. Right. Well, and the other thing is it has to, the analysis work has to be done for your specific situation. Yep. Because comparing what, you know, your brother Joe is doing, who makes a million dollars more than you versus what you're doing, well, they should be different because there's different circumstances. Um, so make sure that you're understanding what you should be doing for, for your specific situation. Which takes us to the question of the day, Mr. Collins. Uh, the question of the day is when was the last time that you evaluated how much and what type of life insurance you have? So head over to beerandmoney.net and at the bottom of that page is a spot for you to either answer that question. Uh, if you have any ideas for us on the podcast, or if you want to reach out to us to examine your personal situation, uh, that's a great spot for, for you to reach out to us there. We hope this episode was valuable for you and always, Mr. Collins. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. All whole life insurance policy guarantees are subject to the timely payment and all required premiums and the claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Policy loans and withdrawals affect the guarantees by reducing the policy's death benefit and cash values. 
Some whole life policies do not have cash value in the first two years of the policy and do not pay a dividend until the policy's third year. Talk to your financial representative and refer to your individual whole life policy illustration for more information. Policy benefits are reduced by any outstanding loan or loan interest and or withdrawals. Dividends, if any, are affected by policy loans and loan interest. Withdrawals above the cost basis may result in taxable ordinary income. If the policy lapses or is surrendered, any outstanding loans considered gain in the policy may be subject to ordinary income taxes. If the policy is a modified endowment contract, loans are treated like withdrawals, but as gain first, subject to ordinary income taxes. If the policy owner is under 59 and a half, any taxable withdrawal may also be subject to a 10% federal tax penalty. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, OSJ 333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711, telephone 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow Air Insurance License Number 15319412, CA Insurance License Number 0K24924, Alexander Collins Air Insurance License Number 7264699, CA Insurance License Number 0H24806, Pinpoint Number 2021124287, Expiration July 2023.